before I get into our conversation today and kind of our teaching, I wanted to kind of go here for a few moments. Uh, over the last uh, week, my heart has been troubled probably like many of you sitting in this room today. Again, on Wednesday afternoon, when that little Fox update hit my phone that there had been another mass shooting down at a school in Florida, I was heartbroken. I'm heartbroken over the evil. I'm heartbroken over the nonsense arguments regarding gun control versus people control versus sin going on in our nation. We want to fix some of these issues with peripheral solutions instead of dealing with the core, which is spiritual when you cut it open. When lost people walk away from God and refuse to submit to the Lordship of Jesus and their hearts become flooded with evil, there's a lot of wicked things that people do. But I was thinking about those uh, 17 lives that are dead. Many others are going through multiple surgeries, thinking about the families of those kids thinking about the grandparents, thinking about the classmates, thinking about the school administration. And I want us to spend some time collectively. I'm just going to pray here in a few moments, but I would ask you while I'm praying that you be praying and really reaching out and seeking the heart of God on that issue. Then we get the news that a little seven-year-old named Emily Maddox that lives here in Loganville, uh, the flu hit her body hard. Her organs, liver, and kidneys started shutting down, and she died a few days ago. And she was an elementary school little girl just right down the road here. And uh, that family's got to be hurting. The grandparents have got to be devastated. Classmates are probably confused, trying to make sense. And, and reality is there's a lot of pain. Uh, Steve Trailer, who's on our staff, our administrative pastor, he sends a text to our staff this morning at about 8 o'clock. And he, his wife, Patty, uh, their sister-in-law, just suddenly just fell over and died this morning unexpected. And so here's what I know. Here's what I know. Listen to me as we kind of get into this talk today. Here's what I know. The universal language is suffering. Every person that walks in here on a Sunday has got some kind of pain going on somewhere around them. All of us, all of us have been hit. All of us have been knocked down. All of us have been hurt. And some of these issues that we deal with, we struggle contemplating the goodness of God in the midst of these painful narratives. People will constantly look going, why would a a loving God allow good people to suffer? And reality is sin disrupted humanity at every level. It jacked us all up. And so we're hurting. Many of you walk in here today, you've got things on your heart. So as I pray, we're going to pray for these three specific areas. There's more. But as I pray, would you spend a few moments, even as we think about Jesus, you're really good and you're an ever-present help in time of trouble. And so uh, would you seek the face of, of, of the Lord right now in prayer as I pray collectively, let's join together. So, Father, we, we bow before you. We bow before you because you're God. You're creator, establisher, perfecter of all things. And, Lord, uh, we come before you right now realizing that everything that happens you see. 
Lord, as we've kind of watched this narrative, yet another narrative, at least 18 shootings just in schools this calendar year, more people dying, more brutality, more wickedness and evil. Lord, we see this thing happening. We know, we, we know you're not blind to it. We know that you watched your little boy murdered, devastated, and you allowed it to happen. And Lord, we believe that even in the midst of pain and tragedy and chaos, that you can redeem all things to yourself for your glory. And we believe you're, you're working in that direction. So Father, we lift up those families in Florida right now, collectively just pray for those families, pray for those students, pray for that administrative staff. We've got teachers, we've got principals, we've got, we've got a lot of people in this church that, that work in the school systems and their hearts heavy, their hearts bruised, their hearts hurting. Lord, we pray over our people today. Pray over Jen. Pray over Angel, who's at Meadow Creek, which is a crazy school. We've got so many other teachers in here. And so we lift up our teachers. We lift up our people as they try to make sense of this stuff, as they get out of their car, as they walk into a school with some of this chaos. We lift that up. Just pray for those families. And then, Father, we pray for the family of little Emily Maddox. Or I can't imagine what the mom and dad and what the grandparents and these people are going through. Lord, this sickness is, is brutal. We've had so many people in this church knocked down with this flu and all this junk that's going around. And we lift up that family. They're devastated with it. Those little classmates, those little seven-year-old kids are walking in there with an empty desk. And, Lord, they're scared. They're scared to sneeze. They're scared to be around any germ. They're Lord, we need your intervention. We need your cleansing power. We need your healing touch. We need, we need you, Jesus. Can't make it without you. So I, I pray for this community here in Loganville, but there's so many other communities that have been hit with little kids dying, older people dying, even with Steve and Patty. They wake up this morning and get a phone call that their sister-in-law just, bam, just, Taps out. Lord, give Steve and Patty peace. Lord, minister to that family. Pour out your grace and healing on these requests that we've made mention of. Lord, again, you, you tell us that if your people who are called by your name will humble themselves and pray and really seek your face and turn from their wicked, evil ways, you'll hear from heaven and heal their land. Father, we believe like never before this 18th day of February 2018 that our nation needs healing. We need spiritual healing. We need the hope of the gospel being poured out. Lord, blaming the FBI, blaming law enforcement, blaming the political structure is not going to save us. We need our people in this nation to get right with you. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that there would be a widespread brokenness and repentance and surrender happen even now today. Lord, there's going to be ministers all over the nation standing up, and I pray that we would not shrink back from declaring the gospel. We would not reduce the gospel to a feel-good message. Pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit would be 
permitted to have freedom and fellowships all throughout Loganville and Walton, Gwinnett, Georgia, this nation, throughout this world. Father, what we desperately need is you. And so we bow before you and say, Father, please minister. Help our hearts to be open to hear from you and to experience you and to expect you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you would grab your bulletin, there's pens in the seat back in front of you. You may want to take a few notes today. If you're visiting, our sermons are made available online. You can go to thecrossloganville.org. And all of our messages are there, video, audio, as well as sermon notes. My five pages I have today are there for you. You can access them and dive into a deeper, more thorough study as well. Now, in light of what we've prayed for, Parkland, Florida, the family of this little Maddox girl, with even Steve and Patty and so many others, it screams, it screams that when we go through tough times, we, we need support, we value support. And where I'm going today is to challenge each and every person in this room to be intentionally connected in small group, in community, and in fellowship with other people. Ed Stetzer, who is one of the most respected voices on discipleship, assimilation, and small groups, he made this observation. He goes, God has supernaturally ordained community to sanctify his people. I was like, that is a great statement. God has supernaturally ordained community with other believers to sanctify his people, to set us apart, to grow us up, to mature us. Small groups provide environments where we can connect deeper with Christ. And we know this to be true. In a recent publication of facts and trends that surveyed church people, 67% of regular group attenders said they read their Bible consistently. 27% of those that were not connected said they do. There is a greater chance you'll get into the Word and become more serious about your faith journey if you're in a small group. 63% of regular group attenders say they intentionally spend time trying to influence and help others grow in their journey, while only 22% of those who did not attend group consistently said they were doing something. 73% of those connected said, we utilize our spiritual gifts for the glory of God and for the betterment of the body. 42% of those not attending said, yeah, at times I use some of the stuff that God's given me. Reality is being actively involved in a small group will impact your daily life. Being involved with others will help you grow closer to God. It will drive you to deeper dependence in the word. It will allow you to trust God more. And it will allow you even to learn to be more loving in the relationships that you're involved in yourself. I promise you there's so many values and benefits. Now, we believe that people that are actively involved in small groups experience more spiritual growth than those who are not. We believe that the body functions at its highest level when we're doing it together. We talk about our four strategies here of what we're shooting at every week, Steve, and we talk about the importance of Sunday morning worship, and we believe it's important to connect 
together corporately to worship God. We believe that authentic body life is done in circles, not in rows. So it's when you're able to get with others, that's where you're going to flourish. We believe that God has called us to share our story, and we believe that God has called us to serve. Now, spiritual growth, I believe, is a team effort, and I want you to get this. I responded to the gospel, repented, and by faith asked Christ to take over as my Lord, Savior, and Master in October of 1985. My good friend Jeff, who passed away a few years ago, Jeff had come to faith in June of 1985. Jeff was encouraging me, come go to church with me. That would be the Sunday worship thing. As I went, I surrendered to Christ. I repented. And Jeff and my friend Walter put their arms around me, and I started hanging out with a few others in a small group, and it was absolutely essential for me and my personal growth with Jesus Christ. You can't do it by yourself. And each and every one of us who have been connected in a small group have seen the benefits and the value of being in it. If you study scripture, there's over 50 references just in the New Testament with the phrase one another with a command attached to it. There's over 50 references of one another's. Now, check some of them out. We're told to love one another. We're told to be devoted to one another. We're told to honor one another, pray for one another, build up one another, admonish one another. We're told to bear with one another and bear burdens of one another. We're told to comfort one another. We're told to forgive one another. We're told to live in harmony with one another. We're told in Romans 15, or Romans 12, 15, that we're members of one another. Can I tell you, can I tell you, you don't have to be a genius to realize this. It's impossible to live out those commands if you're not connected in a group with one another. It implies that you are going to be connected with others in the body of Christ. The scripture repeatedly, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, it talks about how we're just mere members of the body of Christ. There's one head, his name is Jesus. So if you're not connected, Connected, you can't live out the commands that God has even set forth in Scripture. We're commanded to love, forgive, pray for, bear with one another. Now, I was looking at the patterns of the early church. Jesus has been crucified. He pours out the Holy Spirit. Peter preaches 3,000 plus are saved. Now the early church is on. Acts chapter 2, it says this starting in verse 46. Day by day, continuing with one mind, Day by day, they were breaking bread from house to house. They were sharing their meals together. They, there, together. Don't, don't miss it. They, there, together, which meant there was a lot of one another's hanging out with one another's, breaking bread, praying. Now, listen, listen, listen. They were doing it with gladness of heart, sincerity of heart. They were praising God. They were having favor, favor, favor with all people. Lost people, Jewish people, Gentile people were looking at these people that had come to faith in Christ going, there's something unique there, which implied the lost people probably started concluding, we're missing out on something. We're missing something. What is it? The text goes on to say, the Lord was adding to their there, number daily, those who were being saved, every day in the temple, 
From house to house, they continued to teach and preach the message that Jesus Christ is truly Messiah. You get it. The church was birthed out of community. There is a word that we use in the Greek. It's the word koinonia. It's where we get the English word fellowship from. And it means when a collective group of people come and share the things of God in common with one another. We grow. We benefit. Now, following Jesus was never meant to be done alone. And there's no such things as a lone ranger in the body of Christ. When you study scripture, you will not find this isolated, independent, do-it-by-yourself approach as being a norm. It's not there. When we hang out as friends, as brothers and sisters, transformation happens. Psalm 133, 1, oh, how good and how pleasant and blessed it is when brothers and sisters and believers dwell together in unity. Oh, how good and how pleasant it is when the body gets together and dwells with each other in unity. That's where favor is established, and that's where growth will happen for you. Now, I realize some of you come in here, you've been beat up, you've been bruised a little bit, and you're hesitant in regards to connecting with others. Now, I was thinking about this. Why are some people reluctant to get involved in a small group? Well, you've gone through some things in your life. You don't want anybody else to know it. So whether it's abuse, whether it's abandonment, whether it's adultery, whether it's whatever, abortion, there's some people going, I don't want anybody knowing my mail. But what ends up happening is you isolate and you're never able to heal. Some people come in here today and you're like, I don't want to be in a small group. And I just reject the idea of being in it. Why do some people reject it? It's because they're narcissistic and prideful and they think they can do everything on their own and you can't. Now, I want to share with you four simple values of being connected with others in strategic community and fellowship. The first point would be this. You can build lasting friendships that will endure the storms of life. When you're involved in a small group, it's amazing to look at how much connectivity and how much fellowship leads to friendship. You will meet other people that really do become lifelong friends. I'm going to paint that up. You will find out that when you're involved in a small group, you're not the freak of the week and your junk's not the only junk that's been bad. There will be other people there that will identify with you. We've got people in here right now that are trying to heal from divorce. So we've got a divorce uh, recovery group and God's blessing that. We've got a recovery group that meets on Thursday night. People that have battled drug, alcohol, porn, anger, you name it, addiction. They're coming together. And what they're finding is they're not the only one that struggles in a specific area. What you'll find is there's somebody else in the body of Christ that's been where you've been and has seen the hope and healing of Jesus being enough. They'll come alongside of you and walk with you. What you'll realize is even in this room here, you'll see black and white, and you'll see brown, and you'll see different colors, and you'll see tall, and you'll see short, and you'll see thin, and you'll see heavy. And what you'll end up realizing is when you get together with a group of people, you'll see a diverse group, but they're the same kind of different as you are. They're people that have been bruised and wounded by sin, looking for hope and healing, and you go, what's happening? My buddy Rusty was in the first service. Rusty flew in from Dallas this week. He's part owner of Plano, Texas, uh, Plano Toyota out there in Texas. And uh, I remember meeting Rusty in 1995 in a small group. 
We didn't know each other, never met each other. We met in a small group. I started a Bible study over in Gwinnett County on 120, right by the hospital at an old Shoney's that used to be there. Shoney's. Y'all remember that buffet on Friday night? Some of y'all seafood lovers, come on. That wasn't real seafood. That was fake junk. Come on. But y'all went there to Shoney's. Y'all liked that breakfast bar on New Year's Eve coming in. Some of y'all went there and grabbed the gravy and biscuits. I can tell the way you look. So anyway, (laughs) but anyway, we started a Bible study and Rusty went to that Bible study with me. Then I started a Bible study gift that you started coming to that you were invited to with Chuck and Jeff over at JR's and Rusty was a part of that Bible study. And Rusty developed all these cool friendships with me and with other guys. Rusty's been out on out in Texas for about seven years now. He sent me a text the other day and he said, I'm coming to Atlanta, flying Wednesday evening, but the first thing I'm doing is going to JR's to that Bible study to reconnect with those guys. He got here at 8.30 this morning. Did you make it? And he goes, absolutely. Why would he go there to start off with? Because the friendships that he has with Jay and Smith and Ian and Dustin and all these other guys, he's like, man, those friendships are alive. They're vibrant. And when you're able to connect with other people, we're 20-something years into a friendship that started as a result of being involved in a small group. Esposito was in my office the other day. He's got friendships that have been going on since his 20s that started in small groups. Not looking at the back of somebody's head on a Sunday morning, but a small group. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, if one person falls, the other one can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. If you don't have people that can walk with you through some of the tough narratives of your journey, you're in real danger. My buddy Greg had some heart surgery done a few weeks back. And so we go over to Athens and uh, they're prepping him and they're going to do some work on his heart. And so Barb, my wife and I were there and my buddy Neil and his wife were there and Melissa was there and my buddy Schmacker, we were there and we were praying over Greg and we wanted to encourage him before he went into surgery. So they push him back and we're in this waiting room and it's just the people from the cross, just our family of people right there. There's six of us in there. And while we're there, while we're there, the door opens up and this lady walks in and she looks totally distraught. She's stressed out. She's hurting. She's got so much pain going on in her life. And I was like, wow, Barb and Melissa... Melissa, Greg's wife, they're pushing Greg back. Melissa sees it, Lee sees it. And our girls rally around this girl and go over and sit with her. They're like, are you okay? My husband just had a massive heart attack. We don't know what's going on. We don't know if he's going to make it. I mean, he looks terrible. And so they sat there and start loving on her. And they're looking going, do you have anybody you can call? And she said, no, not really, not really. And I'm like, here her husband was, could have tapped out. Now, they got her phone number. And those three girls started reaching out. We'll call this girl Lynn. But they started reaching out to her. And she wrote back and said, as soon as he's able, the first place we're going is to the Cross Loganville. Because you girls have modeled love for me and I don't have connectivity. Do you hear what I'm saying? When people go through tough times... And they don't have anybody. It's a lonely, painful, jacked up place to be. Now, again, you've got to confront the lie. You've got to confront the lie that your problems are unique. 
You've got to confront the lie that if they really know you, they're going to reject you. That's a lie from hell. Reality is you will never be loved at the level God wants to love you at through the body of believers until you're able to lay your stuff on the table and go, they're not, we're not, we're, we don't judge people here at the cross. Judgment was taken, taken out on the cross some 2,000 years ago. There's no condemnation in Christ. We're not going to condemn you. Now, we're not going to pacify you to live in sin, but we're going to walk with you. And God reminds us repeatedly, even in Galatians 6, he says, help carry each other's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Now, again, you're going to go through tough times and you're going to need somebody to come alongside and help carry your burdens with you. Now, reality is somebody else is going to go through a tough time and you're going to be able to serve and minister and help carry somebody else's burdens. Our small groups are not set up for you to come in every week and vomit and tell everybody your problems. You need counseling, not a small group, but the small group is there to benefit with one another. And we're not going to permit just one person occupying and dominating the time because you think it's a therapy session for you. We'll get you over your pride and self-centeredness pretty quick. But we want to see you heal, we want to see you grow, and we will have people walk with you. But when Paul writes to the believers in Galatia, listen to me, he says that we're able to carry one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. If you go back and look at John 13, 34, Jesus says a new commandment that I give you, here's fulfilling the law of Christ, here's the new law of Christ, that you love one another just as I have loved you, love one another. You can look around you and people are hurting. You can look around you and people are weighed down with certain issues of the world right now. And God is saying, do you have eyes to see? Ask Jesus. It's this simple. You can do it. It's this simple. Jesus, what do you want me to do? Jesus, how can I encourage that person? Jesus, how can I walk with that person right now? You've got to have eyes that see. Second point, when you get involved in small group and Quininian fellowship, you're challenged to grow spiritually. As iron sharpens iron, Proverbs 27, so one brother can sharpen another, one sister can sharpen another. Now, when you're hanging out with other people that have your best interests at heart, we defined disciple last week in this way. A disciple is a person who is desiring to be all they can be and the best they can be for the glory of God, plus helping others be all they can be and the best that they can be for the glory of God. When you've got people in your life that want to see you be the best that you can be, fully alive in Christ, and they're willing to walk with you and encourage you to press in to Jesus deeper, they might not put up with some of your, your junk, They've got a different set of eyes that they might be able to see some things fresh, but you trust them because you know they want to see you grow to be fully alive. Dustin and I started doing Bible study together some 17 years ago. When I started those little Bible studies at a barbecue joint, my buddy Ronnie, we would get together. And even though I was teaching and, and, and leading those things at times, I stood corrected and rebuked at times because I, I, I was not always right. And I'm still not always right. And when you're able to connect with other people, you get fresh lens and other people that love Jesus that are able to identify some of those blind spots that you've got. There's not a person in this room that's got it all figured out. 
None of the disciples did. Not a minister in this nation right now has got it all figured out. We benefit in being able to walk with other people. Hebrews chapter 10 says this. We can boldly now enter God's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. We can enter this holy place through the blood of Christ. We don't need some priest somewhere. We've got the great high priest, Jesus Christ. Let us, let us enter this place boldly. And then listen, 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 listen. You would be wise to comb through Hebrews 10. And then he says, let us, 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 let us go right into the presence of God. Let us with sincere hearts go into the presence of God together. Us. Let us hold faithfully without wavering to the hope and faith that we say we affirm. Come on, we're going to do this together. Spiritual growth is a team sport. Let us think about ways that we can love and stimulate others in the body of Christ. Let us not neglect fellowshipping together, meeting together as some is in the habit of doing. Well, I can love Jesus and not go to church. You're a contradiction to Scripture. You're a contradiction to truth. Don't use that, don't use that pale argument with me. Let us press in. Let us pray. Let us love. Let us comfort. Let us, 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 us. And when we work together as a team, it's amazing what can happen. The guys closest to me, I call them my par buddies, P-A-R. Hey, they help keep me purposeful, accountable, and responsible. I'm all about playing par every day. Reality is accountability is nothing more, Paul, than allowing someone else to count the abilities that God's given you. What is accountability? Somebody's going to blow me up and mess me up? No, 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 Jai. When we, with Richard, Dan, Paul, when we get together, it's like we've got four of us, we're going, to be account we're going to be accountability partners, which means you've got permission to count the abilities that God's given me because we're, we're wanting to see each other grow and be the best that we can be for the glory of God. We want to see you flourish in your personal walk. We want to see you flourish in your marriage. We want to see you flourish as parents. We want to see you flourish in stewarding God's time, talents, and treasures. We want to see you flourish. We want to see you fully alive. And so these are important. When you get together in a small group, you're able to seek godly counsel together. I mean, all of us have friends that tell us what we want to hear, but we need friends that tell us what we need to hear. We need people to, to step up. I love Proverbs 12, 15. It says, fools are headstrong. They do what they like. But wise people seek advice. They seek and take advice. I'm reading through Proverbs going, fools, idiots, that's a Loganville word, are headstrong. They just do whatever they want to do. But wise people, they will seek and take and implement advice Hey, man, I need some counsel. And that's what we're trying to do here. That's the value of small groups. We got over 30 small groups that meet on this campus that are affiliated with our church. 30. You're like, man, we need help with our budget. We got one. I need one with my body, man. I'm right. I've hung out at Shoney's too much. Well, we, we, we got one. We're going through addiction. We've got one. 
We've got them for parenting. We've got them to build you up. We've got one. Colossians 3, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule. One of my favorite texts right here. Let the peace of Christ rule. It's not the portrait of a ruler sitting in a castle who is removed from what's happening in your narrative. The word rule there is where we get the English word umpire or officiate. It means as the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you, let the peace of Christ umpire and officiate your life every day. Let him rule. Let the word of Christ then richly dwell in your hearts with all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another with thankfulness, admonishing, admonishing, which means loving those who are starting to stray and bring them back. James even says, it's so applauded when you bring back one who's lost their way. That is such a noble thing to do. How do you do it? But by being with others in community, by having others walk with you. Let me hit you with this in closing. Two thoughts. In a small group, point number three, you will become a healthier person. I promise you, you will become healthier. Being involved in a Jesus-centered, Christ-centered small group will improve your health. We are triune beings. Our God is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but we are triune beings. We are body, soul, and spirit. Better said, we are spirit, soul, and body. When God awakens me through the transforming work of the, the gospel and pours the Holy Spirit inside of me, my spirit now comes alive. But when I'm hanging out with others, I'm provoked and stimulated to love and good deeds, and all of a sudden, mentally, solistically, I start to grow. And what you'll end up finding out is even your body starts to be healthier. I promise you, you'll, you'll work out with other people. You'll walk and talk. You'll walk and pray. You'll start doing things. I promise you, when you start to do life together with others, it, it, it'll change who you are. It'll make you healthier. And when you're hanging out with others, it's something about that, the, that numbers of others being with you, it raises your ceiling of what you can do. We did our yoga workout the other day. I'm not into Eastern yoga. Don't be throwing rocks at me. I'm Diamond Dallas Page, baby. We got the real one. But our guys came in the other morning and set up our little shop. I had my yoga mat, and we were in here in the surge room, and there's five of us. There's Big Old Joe. There's Rick. There's Dustin. There's Nick, and there's me. And we're going to do a 30-minute workout. Do you think I'm going to let those other dudes beat me in doing push-ups? Don't you, don't, you, don't you even look at me, Luke Jones, because Luke can beat me big time. That's the reason you were not invited. I had to get my community right. <laughs> but you know when you're with other people, it raises your game. You start to raise your ceiling. You push yourself further than you normally would doing it by yourself. Here, here's another great thing, though, as we grow. Benjamin started a small group a couple years ago, and it was based off of this passage right here, James 5, 16 where it says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you will be healed. Do you know that when you're able to lay your cards on the table and there's no guilt and shame in the game, and you can say, would y'all pray for me? Would y'all pray with me? 
We're going to do a class March 11th, March 18th. It'll be on the Connect card, and we want you to sign up for it. But Mike Esposito is going to be doing a two-week thing, just really centering in on prayer and sharing your faith with others as we build into Easter. Being able to have the confidence to pray for somebody and then being able to have that confidence to pray with somebody. If you can pray with them, you can share your faith with them. And so when we're together, Mike, we're going to grow so much more. Now, like I said on the front side, some of you walk in here today and you've been hurt. Again, abused, abortion, adultery, alcoholism, abandonment. Some of you are in a troubled marriage right now. Some of you are hanging on by a thread. Some of you have recently had to bury a loved one and you're hurting. Some of you walk in here right now and there's family dynamics going on that are absolutely taking you down. Some of you coming in here today hadn't been to church in a long time because of church abuse or something happened. And when we go through tough times such as this, all of us experience heartbreak and heartache at a certain level. Now, we've got one of two options when we start to go through it. We can either suppress it and cover it, but bitterness and resentment and all this death of the soul begins to happen. Or we can trust some people in our lives to walk with us and start to experience healing. Do I believe that God uses small group and community to sanctify his people? I do. I don't believe you can grow without it. I don't believe that you'll benefit and be all that you can be without it. Here's my fourth point in closing. Get involved. But when you're involved, you will learn how to share your story and you will be provoked by others to start serving. One of the healthiest things you can do is share your faith with other people. We're going to break it down in more detail next week. But who you were before Christ, how you met Christ, and how Christ has changed you. That's as simple as a testimony is. All of us come out of something. The two sisters I'm looking at from Ohio, they come out of Catholicism. They meet Jesus. They've got a story to tell. Some of you are coming out of whatever you've been through. Again, maybe you've had a puzzling background. I don't know what your background's been. But God is saying, hey, I, I, want, I want to redeem your story for my glory, and I want you to share it with other people just to show that I'm good, not how lost and wicked you were. We don't, share, we don't share our testimony to elevate sin, to talk about how crazy and wicked we were. We share our story to talk about how good God's gospel is and how powerful his grace is and how it can redeem anybody. That, that, that's what we do. So when you're in a small group, you'll learn how to do this. And the majority of the ministry of this church takes place as a result of small groups. When a person is born again, we encourage them to go to our foundations class because we believe being taught the word is going to be crucial. That's a small group. We, in, we invite you to be a part of these D groups, discipleship groups. What we're doing with Arise and Bloom, our men and women's uh, ministry here, it's all about seeing you connected with Christ and others. That's our mission. And we just want to see you fully alive. Care and prayer support, don't miss this. Please don't miss this. I've had people leave the church in the past because they said, well, when my mama got sick, we didn't hear from you. Yeah, yeah, mama got sick and we didn't hear from you. Well, I didn't hear from y'all and I didn't even know your mama was sick, but here's the deal. If you're involved in a small group, those are going to be the people that are going to pray with you. Those are going to be the first touch people, the first responders that care for you. Do we care? Yeah, we care. 
can we minister to what the 12, 1300 people that call the cross Loganville? Can I minister to all of them? No. Can Dustin? No. Can Steve? No. But when you're in a small group, that small group will minister to you. We sat in the other night. I saw Jeff and Jamie's group, and I'm like, man, there's some life happening there. Mama Kay, all those ladies up there, I'm like, I, I saw y'all in there uh, praying, Claire. And I'm like, look at that, Marty. Y'all were in there praying. I go into the fifth and sixth grade small group. Sandra Epps is in there praying, holding those little hands. If there's something going on and you're in a small group, they're going to, hey, this is what's going on. If it's something urgent or tragic going on, we're going to hear about it. So we're really only about two phone calls out of the loop after you call your small group leader. If there's something urgent, we're going to hear it. And we pray. We put a prayer request area on Connect Cards oftentimes, and we pass them out, Julie, where we can pray for our people. So that's where the support's going to happen. Don't hold me hostage for not calling you when you didn't call us. And people get all jacked up about that stuff. It's like if your phone doesn't ring, it's me not calling you. You can't hold me hostage for that. It's not fair. And so if you're involved in a small group and you're connected with other people, we can grow. Uh, we're about to really amp up our greeters and first touch uh, hospitality team. We're about to blow this up. And over the next weeks, you're going to hear more from Dustin and myself. I was floating out in the, in the lobby today. Family walks in. I said, hey, hey, good morning. First time here? Yeah. We are looking for people to walk with other people to say, hey, I'm so glad you're here today. Not in some plastic way. Go help them sign their kids in. Hey, I'm glad you're here. I'd love for you to sit with me and my wife today if you'd like to. Yeah, we don't know anybody. That would be cool. How, how much does that disarm people to move them from possible A's to B's to C's to D's and E's? That's our conversation touch point here. When we do our fall fest and back to school, you know where we recruit from? Small groups. Don't we, Danny? We recruit out of small groups. Hey, we're going to get it out to y'all first because those people are connected. They're making an effort to connect. The church can be mobilized so much more effectively and quickly when you're involved in a small group. We can send a note to small groups and the small group leaders send them out right away. Bam, we're mobilized for prayer. We're, we're effective more that way. Get involved. Would you do it? You will value, you will value connectivity if you will start to engage in it. I promise you, it will become a key part of your life. It, God has used that to radically transform who I am even to this day. It started with small groups, and it is still small groups. I meet with my staff. We hang out. That's my small group. I've got other small groups. Mike, we need them. We've got to have them.